that you are listening to Red, White, and Brown with Live. And this week for you, we actually have some fun variety. We are, we'll start off with Jug Jug Geo, which was in theaters. Then we'll go to Avroad Season 2, which came out on Sony Live. And then we will close with Forensic, which came out on Z5. We're going to start off with Jug Jug Geo, which, if you guys haven't seen, actually has the most stacked cast. It has Anil Kapoor, Nito Kapoor, Varun Dhawan, Kiara Advani, Manish Paul, Prajakta Kohli. I don't even know how to say her name. Tiska? Tiska Chopra? Is that right? Yeah. Tiska? Is it Tiska or Tishka? Tiska. Tiska? Tiska Chopra. It's crazy. And if you guys haven't seen it, let us tell you what it's about. So am I pronouncing his name? Cuckoo? Mm-hmm. All right. Cuckoo gets married to his childhood love, Naina. And Cuckoo is Varandavan. Naina is Kiara Advani. And they're living in Canada. But Cuckoo's got this fragile male ego. And he's really hurt because his wife is just doing super well in, in her career. And better than he is, all while she's managing a nightclub. So their relationship gets a little rocky because he decides that, you know, his male entitlement just gets this insecurity bubbling to this point where he feels lesser in their relationship. And he decides that, you know what, I think it's time that we part ways. I want a divorce. But him and his wife agree that they're going to break this news after his sister, Prajakta Kohli, she's going to have a wedding in India. So they're like, after this wedding, let's go ahead and break this news to everyone that we're going their separate ways. But before he can actually go ahead and tell anybody in his family about the news, his father, Beam Saini, who's played by Anil Kapoor, drops a bomb on his family saying he is thinking about leaving his wife, which is Varandavan's mother, Geetu, who's played by Neetu Kapoor, or Geeta, who's played by Neetu Kapoor, saying that he's actually fallen in love with another girl named Mira, played by Tiska Chopra, who is a math teacher. And he's like, she's just brought so much love back into my life. And it's just, it's just like this loud, pompous movie that basically has your eardrums completely ringing by the time you leave the theater. And I'm going to let Mira tell you what she thought of it. Well, what did I think of it? I swear to God, I should have taken earplugs because Dolby sound makes Punjabis sound really 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 loud i don't know what it is with makers with the current Johar variety makers in india why do they have why have to make punjabi movies sound so loud the jokes are loud they're caricaturish um people talk loudly i mean given that punjabis are a little louder you know, but they're not this loud at home. And not every stereotypical Punjabi family has to be comically uh, brash and loud and, you know, uh, just out there. So, um, you know, the first thing um, is, the first half of the movie, I thought, okay, you know, it's it's a lot, uh, there's a lot packed and it's socially relevant because it's speaking of, the guy's male entitlement and how his ego is hurt when his wife is doing well. And that sat really well with me because I was like, that's great. Um, that topic hasn't been touched in um, Indian cinema since a very long time. I know there was a movie, Amitabh Bachchan and Jaya Bachchan, way back when, you know, probably I wasn't even born. Uh, of, of you know him being a singer and then you know he introduces his wife he marries this girl he falls in love with and she, then she ends up singing better than him and she becomes a bigger singer and his male ego can't take it and the movie was called Abhiman so this uh 
that, that entire layering of human emotions between couples where the woman starts doing better than the man hadn't been taken care of in a very long time in movies. And I saw that being layered here very well, even though they kind of layered it, sandwiched it with comedy. And then, uh, you know, there's some really heavy scenes of incompatibility coming out because they married very young. They've been childhood sweethearts. They knew each other pretty well. And then those scenes were heavy. But then they land in India for the guy's sister's wedding. And the sister is Project Takoli, by the way. Guys, that's mostly saying, um, you know, you know her, by the way, Shreya from um, the Rohit Saraf series that you absolutely love. Mismatched. Mismatched. Yes. Season, yes, that girl. season two. Season one season? and season two. Season two is coming, right? Season so, two is coming. Oh, that's my, I'm so excited. But you watched season, season one two. and you absolutely loved it. Mismatched on Netflix. So it's the same girl in the movie who plays sister and now she's getting married and they land there telling each other that, okay, let's just pretend to be okay till the wedding gets done. And once the wedding is done, we will tell our father. And now there's this father figure who is loud as hell and it's played by Anil Kapoor. I have to say that the scenes between Anil Kapoor and um, Varun Dhawan, who's the cuckoo, are, are really, the chemistry is amazing. The father and son chemistry is amazing. However, it is so caricaturish, so loud. Um, I did not like the fact that the way ageism is made made fun of. Uh, I did not like the fact that uh, his girlfriend, Mira, who's supposed to be, you know, this modern woman who's accomplished is, is supposed to, there's something wrong with her compared to the woman who sat at home and complied with her husband's wishes. Uh, which is Neetu Kapoor, I, I don't like that equivalence. I don't like the comparison even. Those are two separate women. They're fine wherever they are in their choices. One is not better than the other, yet the story makes the woman at home seem, seem godish and godly. And the woman who's out there and single and, and has a career seem as if she's wrong which uh, which which just just doesn't sit well with me um why punjabi culture has to be so stereotypically loud just beats me and and you know um of course there's this comparison between uh, two couples in different age groups and the the gravity of the rift between two couples is different. The gravity of the issues between these two couples is different. The need for them to separate, the reasons why they want to separate is different. Yet everything is trivialized in humor. Even, even the feminist aspects that they want to speak about are then, I mean, they're trivialized because you turn it into a joke. What's the whole point of touching feminism? Why are you talking about a, a male privilege when you're going to make a joke out of it later? You completely just doesn't make make sense to me. Why you have to soften the entire pill? Don't you trust your audience to take it? Or do you think it will be too much for the audience if you give them the message that, hey, guys, uh, male privilege is a real thing? Or, you know, independent women, even if they're having extramarital affairs, that's fine. It's their thing, right? Let's not judge them. Like, what is wrong with that kind of non-judgmental lens 
why do we have to judge them? That's one. Secondly, why do we have to trivialize it all? I, I, I just didn't get that. And that completely spoiled the entire movie for me because here you are, you're talking about a very important thing. You're talking about patriarchy. You're, you're talking about patriarchy passed on from father to son. The reason why the son is like that is because the father is like that. And, and then there is this entire scene of bonding between the mother-in-law and the daughter and the daughter-in-law. Daughter and you know they've been through the same process because of patriarchy and, and, and of course a privilege that the men in the family have. And then you take it all away, you piss on it literally by trivializing it in jokes and humor because, oh, it's okay. Uh, people that age can't, ageism, seriously? People could fall in love at any age. What's that got to do with hormone jokes? What's that got to do with 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 a woman being independent or, or self-reliant? I just just was it was just so in bad humor. And so, if you want to see anything more about why we gave it a five out of ten rating, don't forget to go check out Daisies.live for the full review. And and we're about to switch gears and give you of road season two michael take it away yeah so you know just to start off we have a new season here of a pro um and it's an adaptation of india's most fearless two by shiva Aurora and raul singh and in this we have a great cast we have abir chatterjee we have niraj kabi sanjay suri and lots more. And for those of you that do not know, the story takes the front seat through the series. Uh, this shows the reality of the conflict in Kashmir and the intermingling of the drug routes across the border. Uh, this you know, series really you know, takes use of the locals for carrying the narcotics and really shows kind of the story that's you know, going on up there with the rebel groups um, within India. Um, you know, but on top of that, one thing this series does really well is its cinematography, its dialogues, and the score to really, you know, kind of um, keep the series, you know, driven, keep the momentum going throughout it and really keep you engaged. You know, I just know that whenever I was watching this and ever, whenever I was seeing these scenes, you know, all these additional effects, you know, with, like I said, the cinematography, the dialogue, the score really kept me engaged with um, the issue with having hardly any context myself, you know, watching this too. I really feel like that I am, you know, feeling, you know, some of the emotions of some of the people that are, are um, you know, affected um, by this as well. And at the same time, it is like a timepiece of, you know, what was going on in Kashmir at the time and everything like that. And I feel like, you know, through that, I'm really taking away a lot um, through watching that. And, you know, overall, I really enjoyed it. It was quite intense, I will say, like, you know, there are um, a lot of times in which, you know, it, it is, um, you know, serving its purpose, it's telling the story of what was happening in Kashmir at the time. Um, so, you know, overall, I really liked it. I really felt like I had um, great takeaway uh, from watching this piece and would highly recommend. Do you want to put, you know, just, you know, slight trigger warnings, you know, this show does uh, contain violence and is telling, um, you know, the real story. So, you know, if there is, you know, any of that, that you, know, you experience that you might find, you know, triggering, do watch with caution, um, but we'd love to hand it off to Emma Shria to, you know, kind of touch up on that. Absolutely. But before I tell you a little bit more about the story of the show, which is actually uh, around, um, eight episodes of uh, 45 minutes yep. each. Absolutely. So what happens when 70 kilograms of RDX reaches India? 
and how do they realize that it has reached India? The entire process is between the, uh, the research wing of the special forces and uh, income tax officer. So the income tax guy is just investigating a few people and trying to figure out where the money has come from and whether the money has been laundered. By following the money trail, he realizes something has been bought and sold. And when he visits a place, they realize that the transaction is an RDX transaction and he lets the army know. I don't know how this guy, this income tax guy is a reserve army guy, special forces guy for some reason, but he passes on the intel to the army reserve guys and then they work in tandem to figure out exactly what's going on. But the reality of this book is um, th this, uh, this entire series, which is based on the book, as Michael said, India's Most Fearless 2, written by Shiv Arur and by Rahul Singh, is uh, actually how uh, the narcotics business around the region is linked with terrorism, is linked with money laundering, is linked with corporations, foreign corporations, foreign shell, uh, shell corporations, and how all of these transactions happen through nonprofits uh, around the world. And how all of this come together um, to, to fund terror networks. And it is such a riveting watch because once you start watching it, you will continue to watch it. Now, I don't know how much of the story is, it, it, there's no, there's no postscript on the story of how much of this is real or unreal. Um, there is, of course, an explanation of why India demonetized in the end, but I, we don't want to comment on the politics of it. We don't know how much of that is true or whether that is the reality or it is not the reality. But what really happens over here is that there is an income tax officer, additional commissioner for income tax, Abir Chatterjee, impressive debut in the Hindi content space. He is a Bengali actor, of course. And, you know, he, he's this really unzeal human character you start rooting for him immediately and then he is working also as a reserve army officer and then he starts following a money trail that leads him to realize that there are gonna be 25 orchestrated attacks 25 aircrafts over 25 indian states on a certain day um, and all of this unravels in around nine episodes of this series around 45 minutes each and then he uncovers, they uncover bit by bit how this is financed by the ISI through a network of nonprofits and other corporations and shell corporations and people and how the shipments arrive and how the shipments are hidden inside printers and how the detonators arrive somewhere else and how little rival organizations all over India are activated to be party to all of this. The entire nexus of how this terror network works through money laundering and through, through other means is just immensely well written. And, and it's quite a riveting watch, by the way. The cinematography, the dialogues, the score of the tempo of the plot, uh, we don't know. I mean, I, I, we know because if you read politics, you know this is real and this is how terror financing happens and this is how terrorism works. Um, some of the uh, reality, the conflict of Kashmir, of course, is true. This is how uh, terrorist cells are run in Kashmir by the ISI. This is how mules are sent. Drug, drugs is a very big part of how people, uh, people are used to uh, to, to transport um, uh, uh, 
um, arms and ammunition across the border, how people are paid off, how armies paid off, how, how corruption is, is handled. Uh, it is all so real, all so real that I, I literally, uh, it was just a riveting watch. I just couldn't sleep. I had, had to binge watch it in one go. So Michael, what did you think? Look, this is a timepiece and this was a timepiece done well. You know, there are, you know, loads of material out there that will tell the Kitchener story. But, you know, from what I've seen, you know, I don't think there really is any that do it better than this uh, series right here, especially within season two. You know, we are really seeing, like I was saying earlier, the true story of what is happening in Kashmir. And we're seeing, you know, not only just like an overview, but we're seeing a lot of like the interpersonal, you know, actions and consequences that were happening, you know, through this. We're seeing a lot of, you know, kind of like uh, from like the people's view to what was happening. And, you know, I just think if you're looking for a drama, if you're looking for an action-packed, you know, season to tell you about, you know, essentially what was happening in Kashmir, I think that this is a great series to watch. Um, so overall, those are my thoughts. And I would love to segue into our last film for today, Forensic, which is the remake of um, the Malayan film of the same name, starring Tavino Thomas and uh, Mamta Mo Mohandas. Is that correct? Is that correct pronunciation um and with that you know my general takeaway from this is it it seemed to be like a very cheesy murder mystery of some sort where like someone dies unexpectedly and the person that we're trying to catch is always two three steps ahead with not a whole lot of explanation and you know like they're watching this you know i could tell that this was the classic remake effect you know you remake a movie that was already really good it's not going to quite be um, as good or even better than the original and you know part of me like wonders you know why we're trying to remake a film that was already really good to begin with um, I do know that forensic was trending for uh, quite a while whenever you know the trailers were being released and whenever um, you know the film was getting ready to release so I know that this movie had a lot of traction, but it definitely did not land compared to the original film. Um, so, you know, generally, you know, if, if you're looking for if you're looking for the cheesy kind of murder mystery film um, that, you know, we're all we're all used to. And some of us really like this might work for you. But if you're looking to see something that was better than the original or even close to the original, uh, certainly would just redirect you back to the OG forensic rather than going to watch this one in theaters. And Michael just got done telling you guys his thoughts on Forensic, but for anybody who didn't get a chance to watch it yet, it stars Radhika Upde and Vikrant Massey in this psychological thriller, basically about a cop, like Sub-Inspector Mega Sharma, who's played by Upde, and Massey, who plays Johnny Kanna, who's a forensic officer, and they basically come together to find this serial killer, but you're like, what are they finding, right? A girl is kidnapped from a local church, and a couple hours later, she's found dead in some dump. So Mega and Johnny, both Apte and Massey, are on this like hunt to investigate the crime, find the killer. And then it seems that the killer is already aware that somebody's going to be on their trail. So what they do is they just like kidnap more schoolgirls, including the local MLA's daughter. They hold them like captive and then they murder them on their birthdays. So every time that these two who are investigating this case like, I guess they find a trail, it always leads them to the wrong suspects. And 
as more and more people start learning about this psychopath who's like on the run, schools just start shutting down because they're in complete panic. He seems to be targeting, or sorry, they seem to be targeting only schoolgirls. And then the cops are under this immense pressure to find the serial killer before whoever it is can strike again. But as Michael said, very cheesy, very, very cheesy. It comes off as, I know that the original Malayalam film, which was also, I guess, named the same thing, forensic, back um, when it was made, was actually- 1996. 1996, yep. It was made in 1996 and it was dubbed in other languages so that other languages could also watch it. But the Hindi remake of it now, it gives one of those like, if you were to take a cult classic favorite and then you make it modern because you want to appeal to Gen Z and then it doesn't land anymore because it doesn't have the same appeal of like the time and place and product of like the culture or the whereabouts that were happening at the original time that it was made is exactly like that. It's a literally like taking a Cinderella movie that from the original back in the day and then like modifying it for Gen Z and then recreating the movie. It did not land because it was made for the original audience back when this movie was still, or the plot of this movie was still like super new to the like psychological thriller landscape and, and some a hunt like this was a new concept or a new storyline for the audiences. And so they were really captivated when they're watching it, but it seems like the most basic story that they could have possibly come up with for this generation. Like nothing was new, nothing was exciting. There were, I was barely on the edge of my seat. I was kind of like, Oh yeah. Like I, I feel like I can kind of guess what's going to come around the corner. And how do you feel? Em? Well, I thought the movie actually flatlined after this, you know, the first initial, I, I just did not understand why the character of Vikrant Nasi was so happy. I just didn't understand why he was happy in murder scenes in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, mm-hmm. that entire chemistry between him and Radhika Apti, normally the chemistry is fire, but in this movie, they had to push the chemistry in forced kissing scenes. And I was like, you don't have to. You're in the middle of a very crazy murder mystery scenario. People are dying. Why are you even, like, you know, making out? You know, <laughs> it just seems so out of place. And when we like, would go to the theaters, you. when we would no, go to the theaters. It's, it's only and, in Z5, but, right? But when we would watch movies, you and I would make bets to see what would come next in the plot. Like, we would be able to guess exactly what was happening. And I know for a fact that if you and I were watching this, someone <laughs> would have came out of that rich because we would have been able to we would have been able to descriptively say what was happening next you know it was it was very very predictable um and like even the delivery like even knowing what happened the delivery was just cheesy and you were just kind of disappointed whenever like absolutely absolutely and there were so many changes so many deviations from the original the og plot did not have the old man with dementia for example the entire sex changed um aspect of it we were it was so cheesy i mean how insensitive are you towards that gender Uh, how insensitive in this day and age can you become towards that third gender by introducing that entire concept without giving it another thought uh the entire cop politics wasn't in the og and and then of course um 
there are some really good actors like Ronit Roy and Anant Mahadevan. They weren't even given the time of the day in that entire plot. Um, I like the forensic lab, the tech parts of it, definitely. I mean, I wish they had concentrated more on that to solve the uh, the murder than, you know, running around in the forests, which just didn't make sense. Um, the entire... There were so many vibe killers in the story that you're like, yeah. oh, are we still solving the murders or are we just watching some other story for now? So on the whole, it could have been good had they just focused on one story, but they did not. They just went all over the place and just killed the story that was a cult original. And I have this weird bone to pick with the graphics people in this movie. <laughs> why, why were y'all so lazy? Like, why were you guys so lazy with the forest scenes? Why were you so lazy with the background landscapes? Why were you guys so lazy with the color grading? Like, it, I hate to say that because I feel like, I mean, all you really have to do is set the scenes to be like dark and monotonous, right? Because you think it, that's the vibe that it matches. It's literally a forensic thriller. But you're right. Vikram Massey's character is weirdly happy. And the scenes are also weirdly happy. But schoolgirls are getting murdered. And I'm like, which intern did this which intern at z5 color graded this whole movie did the graphics for this whole movie especially that poster too the poster for the show the them trekking on a thumbprint or something i was like they had some of the like worst visual graphics i have seen come out of z5 in a long time and i hate to say that because z5 is usually like killer when it comes to their motions and their angles and their cinematography but like it didn't cut it for me in this movie it did not it's like they basically spent the entire budget getting the actors and then forgot to make sure the sets looked as good like to match the vibe or to like put the audience in the mood completely like I did I just did I just didn't think anything matched it is so easy to make murder thrillers and, and scary stories in Missouri because the you know the mountains and the fog and you, you can easily make a really nice murder thriller in a place like Missouri but if you can't then there's something really wrong <laughs> why was the mood light I just can't get over why was the mood lighting so bright all the time like you're you're in a forest where is this lighting coming from that's like the easiest problem no to solve. Idea. <laughs> no idea and we just gave you Up Road Season 2, we gave you Forensic, and we actually gave you Jug Jug, whatever the last part of that one is. Geo. <laughs> Jug Jug Geo. Uh, we don't recommend you watching two of those, but we do recommend you spending your time on Up Road. But if you want to make those decisions on your own, head on over to Live to read our full reviews. And with that, we bid you a farewell until next week. Thanks, everyone.